Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We have been and kicked off this series, and what I felt like God was speaking for this year for us as a church is the answer is Jesus in you. The simplicity of the gospel. The answer to any of your questions, ultimately, is Jesus in you. And it's this attitude of the heart that cries out to know God. And that's what I'm asking and I've asked for us as a church for this season that we are in. Now, there's a culture. Everything builds a culture. We talked about this a little bit last week. And Pacific Point has a culture, whether you know it or not. But if you don't, one of the things we are trying to do is build that culture. It's why we do what we do. It's our habits, our purpose, our behaviors, and it's the rhythms that we go on. And there's a liturgical calendar and a rhythm for churches, including Holy Season and Easter and Pentecost and Advent. And we are now, right now, entering into a season which is Holy Season, kicked off by Lent on on Wednesday. And I want to just real quick go talk a little bit about it because Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, kicking this off is, is, is the objective of this is this sacrificial time that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights and, and no, no food and, and he sacrificed for us on the cross. And in this 40 days, what we're asking us as the church to do is to maybe have a little sacrifice, do a little sacrifice in some of your regular routines and what you do, including fasting and praying. Why do we sacrifice during this season? Ultimately, the reason that that I sacrifice or we sacrifice is this, because Isaiah 53 says, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, Jesus, and he was numbered, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's you and me. That Jesus gave his life for us sacrificially, and he's called us to do the same. And this season that we're sitting here in this church, if you call this your church, some of you are here just visiting, some of you will be here twice a month, some of you won't come back, and that's fine. But if you call this your church, what I'm asking you to is to be the church and for us to come together and and spend some time in prayer, fasting, and sacrifice, and see what God might do. See, Jesus fasted for 40, 40 days, but you know what's interesting is that you look at it, there's 46 days between Lent and uh, Easter Sunday. But what we know is this, each week the fast is interrupted on the Sunday. So what we're asking you to do to give sacrificially or, or to put something away, and I'll give you some, uh, some examples of that, but on Sunday you come together and there's this celebration of the last week and of, of Christ and uh, this many uh, remembrance of his resurrection. I, I, I love this. See, what is the culture that we are establishing? It's this. We recognize this season as a family, and we're setting ourselves apart from that day. There's something about tradition in family, right? I'm amazed at my children. 
My children, we, we have several family traditions that we do. One of them is family dinner. I know that sounds obviously family dinner. You eat dinner together. You're a family. But, but, you know, as they get older, it's not that intentional always. So we set certain nights and we go family dinner. Now, here's what I found about my kids, which, again, blows my mind, 24, 22, 20-ish, 17-ish, and, and the other one. What, what, I'm, what is amazing to me about this they will text me and Chris and go, are we having family dinner tonight? Because it's a rhythm in our lives as a family. And they don't have any money. So they want me to cook and feed them. Gosh, it sounded so good until you jumped in. That's all right, though. That's all right. There's truth. But in, in all seriousness, they do ask about that. We have traditions at Christmas time of things that we do. We have traditions throughout the year of things we do as a family. And as they get older, they grab a hold of those things and they bring security. And, and it's the same thing in the church around a liturgical calendar and the, the nuances and the rhythms that churches get into. And one of the things that we want to do here at Pacific Point is, is to take this Lent season and we want to spend some time really searching after and going after God. We want to spend some time in, in really recognizing this season. Can you uh, grab my, oh, there we go. What am I asking us to do as church? Two things with three points. Come on, that was funny. At five in the morning, twos and threes look all the same, okay? Sorry, there are three things I'm asking for you. During the, it wouldn't be our church if I didn't screw up part of the slides or something. It would not be Pacific Point Church. Um, what am I asking? Three things. Sacrifice, celebration, and day. Real quick, let me tell you what those three are. Number one is sacrifice. We see in Romans 5, 8, it says this. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed for you and me that I might have life, that you might have life. And these next 46 days, Sundays excluded, we're asking the church, you and me, you're the church, to sacrifice. What does that look like? Maybe give up television for a season. God forbid you give up media and Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. Oh, Lord, how much better would your life be? Maybe you give up some sweets or soda or for some of us, maybe you give up drinking. I don't know. Maybe you give up cussing. Who knows? Here's, here's my, it's a remembrance. It's a time. One of my fondest memories as a kid is... Shirley Blue right over there, and she would, during the Lent season, she would sit at the table and she'd go, what are you guys going to give up for Lent? You know, when you're five or six, you're like, you're ticked, because you know where she's going with it. She's going to candy, because back, back in the 70s, TV was crappy, so it's not like you were going to, hey, give up TV, who cares? So we go to the candy thing, and I just remember as a kid giving that up and some of the struggles I had as a kid. I remember what it did about with my faith. What we're asking us and asking you to do, and here's, if you have children in the children's church, they're going through a lot of these same things. We gave them the handout, and they're talking about what can we sacrifice, and when they come home with you, we want you to talk about it as a family. But it's a remembrance, a feeling of the weight of sacrifice that Jesus gave for us during this season. During this season. What am I asking for the church? I'm asking for a time of celebration. Remember what we said each Sunday, the six Sundays between now and Easter are a time of celebration. Each Sunday, I'm asking you to do this as best you can. Right now, put it on your calendars, family meals. 
Just put it on your counter. For some of you, you're going to have to go to, uh, you know, to Massimo's and buy the pizza and bring it home as a family meal. For some of you, you'll actually cook a family meal. I don't care how you do it, but take Sundays over the next six weeks and go, this is family time. And, and re-engage as a family. And each Sunday by itself is a, is a feast day, a, 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 a mini remembrance of Jesus' resurrection that happens every week. What I'm asking you to do is invite some other people into your dinner table. Each of the next six Sundays, we're asking you to have a family meal, invite others into your home. Make it a time of remembrance for what the previous week was. Have the conversations. Did God do anything in your life? How'd that, how's that going with, the, with the, uh, giving up the candy or giving up the news or giving up whatever you gave up? I remember many times as a kid failing, and, and I always blamed it on the devil. He made me do it. He made me do it. You know, it's, but it's those times of just having that conversation. I'm asking you as a church, I'm asking us, if this is your home church, and even if it's not, I would challenge you to take some time in this season and sacrifice, leading up to the sacrifice, a celebration of Christ's sacrifice. I'm asking you to today get on your calendar every Sunday and have a meal with your family. Invite someone else into that meal, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be a friend, whether it be a single mom and her family in this church or somewhere else, whether it be someone who's single, whatever it is, bringing someone else into that meal and, and communing together because that's church. This isn't church. Church happens when you leave this building, not when you sit in here. We're celebrating today, having a good time. Some of you are, are, are but I'm, I'm telling you, when you leave here, that's when church starts. Not now. What am I asking the church? That's supposed to be number three, day. Acknowledge Jesus each and every day. This sounds so elementary. This is what we should do. We're Christians. But we don't. So what I'm saying is just kind of, how about a little reset? Okay, a do-over. And go, okay, I'm going to be very deliberate over these next 46 days going into Easter to acknowledge Jesus each and every day. And how I'm going to do that? Through word, prayer, and worship. Each and every day. And one of the things Jesus did in his ministry was this. He didn't just walk around and say, don't do that. Go pray, fast, all that. He said those things, but what he did was this. He said, come watch me. See what I do. Listen to my stories. So if I just sit here today and go, okay, let's get donuts now. We're done. And say word, prayer, and, and worship, and hey, go have a good time. It's kind of, it's, there's some emptiness there to it. So here, what I want to do today is have a conversation. And I'm going to have Chris come up, and I'm going to have Kevin come back up. And, and I just, I want to talk about what that, that practically means and what that, this looks like a really nice guitar, Grayson. I don't want to break it. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. I got bad hands, so that wouldn't be good. So I'm going to have, there you go. And I, want to, I want to interview Chris and, and Kevin and, and talk about these three things. And the reason that I am, I am doing and, and doing this with these, these, well, you want your notes over there? Okay. Can you sit in the middle? No. Okay. Yes, thank you. Okay, sit there. <laughs> No, you're good. I want to be obedient. Okay. <laughs> Tammy, for today. For today. Tammy, did you just hear that? 
that Tammy's her best friend. I just heard that, so remember what she just said, okay? You got it? She is obedient. She is obedient. Look, I want, I want you guys to not only hear what we're saying, but I want you to experience a little bit of what it looks like. And let me tell you, this woman, I'm not crying. Don't go off. Looks like you are from here. <laughs> I'm just saying, it looks. This is one of the most faithful women, that I, woman that I know. I, I, I watch her read her word every day. I watch her pray. And I watch her worship. And sometimes I go, you should be the pastor. No. Not me. So I, I want you to hear what she has to say. I watched this man for 30 years, 26 years. I've walked with this man and I've watched him faithfully worship and I've watched him walk with God and, and, and commune and pray and I've prayed with him and, and the word and it's about seeing other people's walks and going, okay, I can actually do that. It's, it's going, if John Blue can be a pastor, I can be anything. It's about experiencing. So I, I just, Chris, start off with you. When you pray or when you get in the word every day, why, why do you get up every morning and you just, you're like, in bed in the word every day it's i mean you're clockwork because i live with you no, no, i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking no i think um you know i we were blessed to be when i said yes to the lord we were blessed to be raised in a ministry that wasn't perfect but they valued the word and they put it like right we we read an hour a day to keep the devil away and that is not necessarily true i don't know <laughs> I don't know about the truth of that, um, but I do know that um, I got saved 30 years ago last year, and I am so grateful that that um, desire to want to read the Word was placed in our heart early on, that seed there, and um, it has just been a blessing. And I think what's interesting is, you know, when you're a new believer and you, you're not really sure where to start, I think we always tell people to start in John, right? Start in the book of John because you kind of understand who Jesus is, begin to see some of the miracles that he does and things like that. But I think the cool thing is that we talked about several weeks ago when we celebrated Annie's birthday, our desire long-term is to have longevity, is to have legacy, like our friend Mark that we're talking about and the legacy that he's leaving. And really the only way to do that, I've found after 30 years, is to always go back to the Word. I love to worship. I enjoy prayer time. But at the end of the day, I have to go back to Word because I have a very vivid imagination and I am sometimes ruled by my circumstances. And so um, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I I have to have a constant. We as believers have to have a constant that we go back to, a standard, an absolute. And for us, it's the word of God. So good. We'll be driving down the street and there's an accident. This is her imagination. And all of a sudden she's conjured up a whole story about that, how that's me and one of the kids. And she's next thing you know, she's like a mess. I'm like, what's going on? We just drove by an accident and she, so the point so second is Corinthians take every, take thought, every thought captive, captive to the obedience of Christ cast it, right? so you go back to so the word just go taking back it back and and uh not only she's she's obviously a worshiper but Kevin there, there's this you do it for a living I, I hate that that's not why you do it what? you do worship you do it because you're called and God blesses you and you've made you're gonna get your 50 bucks for this weekend Great. so <laughs> that you know so that that's kind of for a living but if, if no one paid you a dime, what I know about you, you'd worship. Why? 
Well, because he's worthy. And I understand that worship um, means worth. So worth and worship have the same root word. And so because of his worth, that's one of the ways that I express that to him, who he is. Right. Also, sorry to scare you, but work has the same root word. And you can actually worship as you work. If more Christians worshiped at their work, we would take the marketplace for Jesus. Wait, slow, stop right there. Give me an example of what you're talking. Give me someone specifically. Well, I'll just use myself because that's a, like okay. Dennis Peacock used to say, it's the only life I got. Um, and so when we went into the schools in New York City, the district had a 55% graduation rate. The school had a 65% graduation rate. The school is now at 85, and every kid in the district who comes to our program is at 95. So we took the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom of God in education to the school system. So, yeah. so when I walk on a campus, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of it as I'm pastoring those students. Yeah. Right. And every time I give a kid a high five at, yeah, or fist bump, that's called the laying on of hands. That's good. They're like, oh, he's cool. He can fist bump. No, it's called the laying on of hands. I can show you a scripture for it. So, so my mindset is different. It's, and everyone should, I think we can all, if we get creative, we can read the Bible, it's my electronic Bible, as, a docu as an instructional document for whatever our calling is. So doctors should read the, the Bible as a healing manual, right? Accountants should read it as a financial accountability instruction document. So no, that's good. I, I think for me, you know, several years ago, I, I ended up getting consulting job and, and working in a company and at first I'm like God why are you making me do this I'm supposed to be a pastor but I, I was totally I say every week look I'm not we're all the pastors we're all the ministers of Christ Jesus I just stand up and get to stand up here but what I realized over the last gosh couple years of, of working in the secular job is as you said when I go in and I worship the Holy Spirit moves and we've seen people get saved. Yeah. I've seen people. I've prayed with our, our, our leadership team. I've walked the president through a death of a son. I've, I've walked with these people in this, this space. I'm going, I'm doing more ministry here than I feel like I'm at church at times. So you're the ministers. And the same thing can happen wherever God has called you to worship and minister. Worship. Workship. Workship. W-R-K-ship. That's where you're going tomorrow. How many of you going to workship tomorrow? Come on. Yes. Go to workship. Let me, Chris, it's, let me ask. Oh, first time I've ever said that. That's I think I just good. made a word. Did you make it up? Like it's workship. I like it. I have a question. Yes. Okay. So, okay. so when most of us think of worship, right, we talked about this a little bit, we think musically. We think it looks a certain way, feels a certain way, maybe it's tied to emotions, different things like that. Yeah. What does worship look like for someone who isn't necessarily moved musically or doesn't feel comfortable raising hands or moving side to side? Like, Kind of explain what worship looks like in that way for someone who isn't tied to it musically. That's a good question. I want to try to do that. That's hard. Harmon, because Three minutes. It has a lot to do with preference, right? So for me, my preference in worship is all worship would sound like earth, wind, and fire. All right, get up. You get, is this the time to do your... Or, like or Prince, right? Yeah. Purple rain, purple, purple rain. rain. Right? 
That's a preference. I don't. It says right now in heaven that there are people from every tribe. language, yeah. people, tribe, and nation. So just as we try to figure out how to work, work together here uh, cross culturally in America, don't don't ever tell anybody I don't see your color. You, I just don't see your color because that means you're holier than God because God sees it because He names it in heaven. In heaven, mm. every language, people, tribe, and nation. That's God cool. actually differentiates, and He has placed things in Chinese culture that He's not placed in. Peruvian culture, so don't. I know you're trying to be nice, but you sound really uneducated. Okay, so, so don't do that. Okay, I pray, bless God for you. So here's the deal: in heaven, I don't know if it's Peruvian music or Chinese music. I'm gonna, I'm believing that it's Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> so I, while I'm trapped in this Earth suit, so I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I'm expressing that through my body. So my earth suit likes earth, wind, and fire. But I don't know what heavenly music sounds like. I try to hear it every once in a while, and I try to, try to play it here. Try, I think, so, so, so for one point is preference, right? So if you don't like certain music, you're not going to be moved. But music moves most people because the arts have the ability to bypass the intellect and go straight to the soul, right? So you never read, read the Vedas. No one read the... The, the Hindu Vedas, but everybody listened to the Beatles. So the Beatles were discipling planet Earth. They were singing out of a, of a historical document. And because we were just like, whatever, well, I wasn't because I'm too young, but <laughs> some of y'all, right? You were just, you're just, it was going right past your intellect, right to your soul. And the Beatles were educating you, right? So we all are moved by music. The question is how we respond to it. And so in, in, in church liturgy, you know, it's in the Bible, too. It's like there's there's a concept of lifting the hands. And sometimes we don't want to do that in public around people. That's that's another reason is how comfortable are you with God in public? Like some people, you'll see them together. They've been together for 40 years, but they they're not expressive outwardly. So the husband's never holding the, the wife's hand and you're going, they don't even love each other. And they go, well, you better check that because they actually have a better relationship than 98% of the relationships. I know they're just not outwardly expressive in holding hands. Doesn't mean they don't love each other. It's just the way they're wired and it might have to do with their past or whatever. So you can't, it's really hard to judge people based on what they're doing. And the other side of that is if you don't know what the Bible says, if you don't know what God's love language is, then you won't, respond to him that way he has a love language and part of his love language is singing and he doesn't care how well you sing he cares if you sing Please say that last part again. he doesn't care how well you sing he cares <laughs> if you sing <laughs> right and so there's something about because singing is is childlike right have you ever seen a child start singing oh i don't think i'm in the right key kids don't care they just sing loud Right, don't they? Yeah. Somebody's got to tell them you're bad, and then they start rewiring. They start going, "Oh, I'm I, bad, bad. I shouldn't sing." Kids think they can build castles on the sand when they're little, and then we tell them how bad their castles are, and then they can't create anything by the time they're coming out of high school. It's crazy, right? And so you have to know what the word says. I tell this to our kids: know what to do, and then do what you know. So if you don't know that this isn't that for whatever reason, God. When he sees his kids do this, he likes that. I don't know why he likes that, but he likes when we kneel. Maybe it reminds, it gives us a posture of humility because we're so dang proud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
He likes it when we get down like this and say, okay, I'm low, you're high. He likes it when I sing, even if I don't sing well. He likes it when I lift my hands because it's an act of surrender. If Italian, I know I got the wrong, the wrong shirt. This is, what am oh, I, that's, I'm in Costa Mesa. You're in Costa Mesa, oh, yeah. So if Costa Mesa police came up to me and put a gun up to my hair right here, I wouldn't go, hey, man, move that out of the way. What you doing? When it's time to surrender, your hands go like this. Do they not? So if you're surrendered to God, you're saying, your will be done, not mine. But you might not be comfortable enough as a human. You may not have, it could be pain in your past when you did something as a child, and now, you, now you're afraid to be free in public. I don't think I would have gotten down on the floor like that 20 years ago. But now I care less and less about what other humans think about me. Because, I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if you lived half a century, and you still kind of worried about other people, what they think about you, you should go to counseling. So, um, and so as you grow, as you grow, you get more free with how you can express love to the God who created you, who woke you up, who's allowing you to use his oxygen. And when's the last time you paid for gravity? That's good. Because if he didn't let you use his gravity for free, you'd be floating out there in the universe. Okay, that was longer than three minutes. No, that was fantastic. Thank you. I want to tie something in worship because there's, we go through seasons. The Bible says this. Jesus says the storm's coming. Storm's coming. We all know that. We're all going to hit that storm. You're either coming out of it or get ready. You know, um, sometimes in the storm, I I don't know what to do. You know, I got to read the Bible more. You got to go to church. No, 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 no. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. In a seasons in our life where, where we just go, God, we have no clue. We worshiped. And, and, and I, I watched her in seasons with, you know, we got five kids. So you can imagine we've had some seasons. And, and we look at each other and go, I don't know. And truth be told, I, I usually go, I'm going to bed. But I'd wake up and I'd hear her worship. Just set the tone in my home. When I wasn't the man to fight the way God always called me to, because I, I saw this woman worship. We didn't know what to do. What, what was that all about? I, we had we had a couple seasons that most of you know about that were pretty low, and um, I had one point where our kids uh, go to a sweet school, and I was receiving emails all the time from the attendance counselor. She was like, um, "Hudson is tardy again," and over and over. And so finally, I, I emailed her back, and I said, "I think we both know that it's not Hudson who's tardy. It's me not getting Hudson to school on time. So let's get on the same page." And I basically told her, um, "I am in such a season with some of my older kids." that I can't get out of the bed in the morning until I have read my Bible. I can't get out of the bed until I have heard the word of the Lord say to me that he is taking care of A, B, and C. So will I be a responsible mom and do better at getting my seventh grader to school on time? Yes, I will. But will I put God first and, and not let my feet hit the floor until I've opened his word? Yes, because I have made that commitment because he has been a good God and he has been a faithful God. And when my circumstances said to me that he wasn't good, right? When everything around me that I couldn't control said that he wasn't good, the word was the thing that went back and said, no, God is always good. good. He's loving kind. He shows loving kindness. He's faithful. His mercies are new every morning. He has a purpose and a plan, all of those things. And so I had to go back and read the word. My, um, 
I'll get her hollering and going, but Elmore's here today. Elmore just came through cancer. What did your word do for you? No, she'll start and we'll and we'll we'll never get out of here. But but when you're in and you don't have to be in that season. I think the exciting thing is when um and it and it's simple. Like for me, I took I actually took pictures this morning of our bedside tables. John Blue's bedside table is so clean and neat and because he keeps all his books at the office. For me, my bedside table is overflowing with devotionals and different versions of the Bible and all this stuff. It's I just like like I have to go, go, go. But it's not about how much you're reading or how many different things you're looking at. Sometimes it's just the simplicity of saying either in, in the morning what works for you or in the evening. Um, I had, oh, I have another friend who's here, Shelly, and um, you said last week, you said if you don't know what time you're going to read your Bible tomorrow, you probably won't read it. Remember saying that? And she, we used to always know, I think it was around 1.30 or whatever, you could you could call Shelly to go to lunch, but it had to be about 11.30 or 12 because 1.30, she knew she, she was going to be in her chair. She wasn't going to answer because she yeah. was going to be in her chair reading her word, praying for you. And it's really like um, an appointment that you make with the Lord and make it whatever time you need to make it with your schedule but it's an appointment that you make with the Lord and you keep that commitment to him and watch what his word does, right? Because Romans 12 says that we're renewed by the word. The word transforms us. The word tells us that it's alive and it's active. And so when my words fail or when my strength fails, I look to the word and it literally transforms us, right? And it's alive and active and speaks to every situation in, I'll, I'll hurry with this, but and many of you have heard me say these things over and over and over again. But Psalm eighty-one, sixteen says, "With honey from the rock, I would satisfy you." I love that idea that the sweetest thing would come from the hardest thing. So look at your hard season. Look at the rock of the difficulty that you're walking through, and don't only look at the hard of it, but look at it and say, "Where is the sweetness of God's presence in this? Where is the sweetness of what God's speaking to me in this?" Revelation 12 says the woman fled to the wilderness where there was a place of nourishment prepared for her. A place of what? Nourishment. Prepared where? In the wilderness. And so your storm, your wilderness, your, your dark place, your hard place, those things aren't just so that God can cut up on you and, and you can have a bad time. Those places are because he's preparing you there. He's growing you there. He has a place of nourishment there for you. And those places of nourishment come from the word worship and prayer. And we, I remember being real quick. I'm sorry. I remember being in school in, um, a physiology class and somebody asked our, our teacher if we needed to work out every day. And this is a side note, but anyway, he looked at me and he goes, well, you eat every day, don't you? Right. And it was just this whole idea of, well, you got to work off what you're putting in and stuff. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I read yesterday. That was great. But God gave fresh manna every day. What he gave me yesterday isn't necessarily going to get me through the next day. And so it doesn't mean that you beat yourself up yeah. because you, oh, I didn't read my word today. Oh, you know, we did a whole series about no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So it's not about you beating yourself up. It's not about something I tick off my list every day because it makes me feel like a more successful person. It's more about a relationship over time and the longevity of what that looks like. And then it, then you actually walk out that it's a friendship thing. God is, is like, he's so close. I want to hear what he has to say about me. And it's not a laborious thing that I have to read my Bible today. It's something that we get to do. And it's here, here, Having said this, sorry. I want to add something to that, but go ahead. I, I'll remember okay. mine because I wrote it Can down. You remember? Oh, good. See, I didn't write mine right. down. Here's what, but there's times where you, you go, there's nothing here for me. Has anybody ever experienced that? I'm not saying there isn't, yeah. 
but you go, ah, there's nothing here. Here's what we did. There were times with our children even, we're like, I don't have any answers. And we'd literally turn on worship music and we'd put a phone in our children's room and go, just worship. I don't know what to do. I don't have any answers. Just worship. Just worship. And, and she's crazy, so she'd dance around and worship and turn on the music. And, and I'd just turn on music and, and, and the, the atmosphere changes. If you don't have the words, if you're like, I can't, I can't read this meaning. I'm not, I don't understand. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I just worship and watch what God might do. He'll fill the room. Just real quick, we Second Chronicles talks about how they would send in the worshipers right before the armies and stuff would go in, and it would it would change the atmosphere. And we had days where literally we would just walk around with the phone on Pandora worship, whatever. I'd just walk around. People would come to my door, and I'd be like, "I can't. What do you need?" Because we're changing the atmosphere around here. We had nights where we could not sleep. We could we could not sleep. Well, I, you I, could I, you I, could I, always I, sleep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me clarify. I had sorry. nights where I could not sleep, and so I would I would literally go, okay, enemy, you want to keep me awake? Well, let's be up together. And I would take my Bible and I just I would flip whatever it was, and I would just read, just straight out read out loud, right? Because there's something that happens when your words hit the air. We always say you don't fight thoughts with thoughts, you fight thoughts with words. And so when the enemy would come and he would bring devastation and hope and all those things, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Where are we going to read from today? Oh, for Samuel, we're going to read from here and then just start to read. Yeah, and the atmosphere would change. That's the 40 days. That's the 40 days. Uh, the enemy comes to Jesus three times. Three times he doesn't go, hmm. He goes, he fights it with the word. Immediately the word comes out of him. You got to have the word in you to fight the word and to come out of you. You fight thoughts with the word of God. The word of God. So you, yeah, come on. Yeah, we stole that. it from we somewhere. That. All that's all recycled. and time back in the 1900s. You, you quote it enough, it becomes your own. You know? Yes. yes. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. What was your thought that you so had? So my thought was, I, I'm, I'm, now I'm putting on my educator's hat, okay? In the Bronx. Good. So when you teach something in a classroom, you have what's called an exit strategy or what we call check for understanding, right? So what I want to ask you to do because you wrote it, I was, when I was sitting earlier, you wrote it, you said, you challenged them to schedule it, and then you hit it again. And so I was like, why don't we check for understanding right now? So how many of you have a mobile device that you keep your calendar on? Something like this. All right, so why don't you, why don't you pull it out right now? And this is, this is what I'll do if you were, if you were my, my class, okay. and yeah, I was giving you a grade. Take it out, go and look at it, and look at what you're doing tomorrow. And somewhere on there, just hit it and then schedule Bible reading. Or I call it, I call it inner life, right? Because we all have an inner life and an external life. So who we are externally is because of who we are internally, right? So just, just schedule, schedule some time, block it out for your inner life. And then if you got it like, like the app will allow you to do this, just hit it and just put repeat every day. Now you got it for a week and then don't, don't be locked in. So tomorrow you're, it might be based on your schedule. It might be eight to nine, but Tuesday it might have to be six to seven and just move that around so that you can look at the end of this week, the end of these seven days, and you will have spent time with God. So like 
So I'm, I do this with, I've, I've been really cognizant about the food that I'm putting in my body just as I age, right? Because I, I really like to eat foods that aren't good for me. But this, this week I did so well in Seattle. I was in Seattle this week. And um, the best biscuits and gravy on earth are at this little bitty um, golf club called Mount Sai. And I was staying about three miles from it. And every day I had to fight Satan. <laughs> I fought Satan Tuesday. I fought him Wednesday. I overcame him Thursday. But Friday morning. <laughs> oh, Friday morning. And I told him, just give me one. Because usually they bring two. I said, I just want one of them biscuits. Right, right. But I was so I was really working at it. And I could have gone, my schedule would have allowed me to have biscuits and gravy every day this week in Seattle. Technically, Snoqualmie, which is outside east, but I fought it and I won, right? Now, next week, next time I go to Seattle, I'm gonna try to go no days, right? But at least I made progress. I'm not gonna tell you how many times I went last time I was in Seattle to that golf place when I was there for a week. So if you don't schedule it, you won't be any further along. If you did not schedule and did not read your word this past week, no condemnation. But also, don't be surprised if you don't know the word any better. So when I was really trying to improve my free throws as a, as a professional, when I was a professional athlete, like when I would miss a free throw and I hadn't practiced, I won't get mad at myself. I'm like, well, you didn't put in your reps, bro. You should miss. It's, it's, I watch kids. I coach them. I'm like, so you're upset that you're missing. Now, how many hundreds did you shoot this week? I mean, you're not going to make it. I mean, I can pray for you, but prayer's not going to help. I can't pray for you to shoot a free throw straight. You got to learn how to align your body, and you have to do it every single day, like a hundred a day at least, or you ain't going to get no better. So, Sing, I'm sorry, I put on my coach hat. Head on my coach hat that time. So you have to you have to write it in so that you can do it. Go ahead, Coach that Blue. Perfect lead-in. So if you have your phone and you scan this, this is what we're going to do, Kevin. All right. Starting Ash Wednesday. We're going to send out readings for the next 40 days. There you go. So you'll have a reading. So if you go here, you scan it, go to personal information. I know that'll sketch you out. Just give us your information. That means you want to get it. And we will send it out to you for the 40 days, including a Sunday celebration reading, which is a time with your family. We actually have those meetings, a time with your families or those meals where you can have a conversation over dinner around something. So with technology, we can, uh, we can do some, some cool things. So with Jeremiah, where's Jeremiah? Jeremiah's helping me do this here. I'm, I'm, where is he? Oh, back there. He's helping me get it all set up. So we'll have that to you. Uh, if you. If you fill out the personal information side, promise we're not selling it, I will, I will get your information. We'll send it back to you, and you will have that for this Lent season so that you will walk in what we're talking about here. Because you're exactly right, practicing. Practicing what God has called us to. Let me, let me, so practice makes what? No. Nope. Come on, say it, say it loud. Practice makes what? That's not right. Nobody nope. who's successful believes that. Practice actually makes permanent. permanent. And Vince Lombardi said only perfect practice makes perfect. And he was borrowing from Aristotle who said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. Okay? 
And so if you practice the wrong thing, Mr. Pickens, my fifth grade drum teacher, taught me rudiments. He said, if you practice the wrong thing, you'll just do the wrong thing really well. Right? So that's why when I see a kid shooting and the elbow's out on a, on a free throw, when your elbow's out, that's telling the ball to go that way. So your elbow has to be in. Right? Some of the pros do it, but they shoot a bazillion hours a week. If I turn my feet this way, my body's telling the ball to go that way, and now my hips are telling it this way, and the elbow's telling it to go that way. So if you practice the wrong thing, don't be surprised if you miss free throws. But if you line everything up, right, if you perfect practice, right? And Angela Duckworth said it like this in her book, her seminal work on grit. She said it. She said, I'm going to try to quote it. She said, experts after, she says, experts after feedback um, do deliberate practice over and over again until that which was, um, she called it, uh, shoot, I can't remember. It's so eloquent. I'll find it later. She said, those things you couldn't do, you can actually do easily without thinking about it. She used way bigger words. But she says, experts after feedback, what they do, they use deliberate practice, and then the things that they were doing that were horrible basically became very easy. That's what okay. Angela Duckworth said in her book on grit. You all know that book, Grit? Yeah. Let's, let's finish. I want to talk a little bit about prayer. You know, because when we talk about prayer, many times people get overwhelmed. They think certain thoughts. They have, they have uh, thoughts in their head of what that looks like. Now let's just, let's just, I'm going to break it down to more um, intimate, relational side. When you, when you, we talk about often that the natural and the spiritual run parallel to one another. And the principles you see in the natural are the same principles that we see in the spiritual. My relationship with Chris and how I communicate with Chris, the same principles are true for how I communicate with the Lord. There are sometimes I can sit with her and we don't have to say a word. I just, I'm, I'm right there with her. There's sometimes that I just text her two words. There's sometimes where she says, or we say, and we'll spend an hour just deep in conversation. There, some are short, some are long, some are, are quick, some, sometimes we cry, sometimes we laugh, sometimes. Look, prayer is about communication. There are deep conversations that I have with my wife. And there are light conversations that I have with my wife. And so many of us are so caught up in, how do I pray? What does prayer look like? What are the five steps to a prayer life? What are the five steps to spending time with my wife? spending time with a, a spouse, spending time with a friend. The principles are, 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 are the same. So if you can kind of just go, no, 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 no. And sometimes I kind of go, God, I need your help right now. And then I, boom, I'm right into it. Sometimes I'm on my face, on my knees as he is, crying out to God. Sometimes I'm just having a conversation. Don't get caught into this, you know, this thoughts. Well, I was going to say, I think sometimes the quote unquote religion aspect comes into it and we are around other people who um, pray or pray eloquently or use big words. And we think, well, why bother if I can't pray like that, then I don't really want to pray. And God cares less about that. He could care less about like that. Like you're saying. Yeah. Like my singing. See, God loves my singing. I don't care what Kevin says. He does. God, yeah. Just use the mic. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I had like I had a conversation with a young man recently, and uh, I said, "How come you don't come to our Wednesday morning? You should come to our Wednesday morning prayer thing." And he's like, "I don't want to pray out loud." 
right? That's maybe why some of you don't come because you don't want to be in a small intimate group and feel the pressure on you to pray out loud. Um, we do a parents in prayer at our kids' school every Friday morning, and it's very small because a lot of people fear praying out loud. But there's something that happens even when you just come and you don't pray at all. You're just making an intentional decision to be in an atmosphere of prayer, and you kind of get the blessing from that. And then sometimes, I'm telling you, I think God just loves a simple prayer of God help. Just got this. I don't know what to do with this situation. Could you please help me? I don't know the word to apply to it. I don't, I just have, you, you said last week, you know, we can read our word and it seems dry, but when you add your faith to it, right, we can raise our hands and sing a song, but when you add your faith to it, then it changes. So just add your faith to coming to a moment of prayer, um, corporately with people or individually by yourself. Don't worry less about what God thinks about the words that you're saying and more about your intentional heart. To finish this up with the last thought. I didn't really have a thought on that. Can I do that? You cannot have a thought. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think we should, I don't think I have anything to add to that. I think that was really good. What you good. said. Sometimes good. people ask me to pray and I'm like, I don't feel like praying right now. Can I do that? But, you know, so, well, that, that's, when you that's, get over it's, 50, it's, you can do that, right? And it's you interesting because there's sometimes Chris goes, I feel like talking. I go, or I say, I want to talk. She says, I don't feel like talking yeah. to you today. Yeah, not right was, now. Not today. I thought that was Mostly. powerful what she, what she said, yeah. right? No, I mean, the only thing I could think of was listen. Listen more than you talk. Take you notes. Know, Come expect. There's an expectation. Yeah. When you when you yeah. pray, when you have that prayer time with God, there's an expectation that he, he would speak. It's like this. Too many times, you know, she'll be talking to him, and I'm looking for the next person to talk to. You're really good at that. I'm really good at that. And she goes, focus. And God, I think, is saying the same thing to us many times. As we're praying, and we're like, ooh, there goes a bird. There goes this. But if you come with a, a notebook or this, okay, God, I'm ready for you to speak today. And you come with this expectation. Watch what that, that what might happen. That still small voice, that Holy Spirit moment of, of God just speaking to you. Here goes the teacher again. So when he said, come with the notebook, there, there literally are neurological benefits to writing. You, you remember, probably none of y'all, but I would talk a lot in class and they would go, you have to write 150 lines. I will not talk in class. I will not talk. Anybody, who else was right in up, that? Right up. There, there was something there. They were, they, were, they were creating, they were helping us create neurological pathways in our brain, right? And uh, Dr. Dixon over here could probably tell us about the difference in dendrites and neurons and all those things. But, but when you do that, then the word is not, it's not just kind of in one ear and out the other. It's almost like you capture it, right? And so that's why it's important. Uh, then the, the Proverbs talk about writing the word on your heart. Well, how do you write on your heart? That's a weird phrase. That's a weird idiom, right? I'm, I'm writing on my, no, no, no. You write it down, and God brands it on your heart, as it were. But if you, if you don't take notes, right, then you're not expecting. So if someone called your office tomorrow, John, and they said, hey, we got a hundred million dollar deal for you, but I'm going to need to give you a sequence of 27 numbers. Would you be like this? Okay, go ahead. Shoot. What's the number of this? I'm listening. Go ahead. 27 numbers. I got them. Go ahead. Tell me what they is. I, I you know what you're going to be. Wait, secretaries, everybody come in, everybody write it down and then let's look at, let's compare to make sure we have every single number just right. It's a hundred million dollar deal. 
You're not going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, go ahead. Give me the numbers. Yeah, I'm cool. What, what time do you want me to meet you for lunch for that $100 million? Oh, yeah, okay. I'll be there 2.30, 3-ish, beach time. Yeah, I'm cool. No. You're writing it all down, right? Even more than that $100 million deal is the word of God. That's good. Every Sunday. And so in a sense, I'm kind of coaching and teaching, right? So still love me. I'm still the fun guy behind the keyboard. If you're not taking notes, don't, don't expect to remember everything you just heard today. I, I, could, I could pull it up. I've got, I've got the actual numbers. But we basically remember about one out of five things we hear. So if I see you at lunch today, I, I don't expect you, if you weren't taking notes, to really know what I said. So I'm not going to be mad. Because you just heard one-fifth of what I said. So I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. But hopefully next week you'll bring something to write with and you'll remember that. You know, you know that these people, they say you'll remember like 85 to 95% of the things that you do while you say them. Which is why actors on stage can remember those lines because they're doing something while they're singing it and saying it. So it's, it's something to challenge yourself with. How, how hungry am I for retaining the word of God that I hear? And when you sit down by yourself, you know, what, how are you recording what God says in that moment? Like literally, when I... kind of thing in my head that when I die, I want my children to see my Bibles and see everything that was written, prayers written for them, things that were highlighted, things the Lord said to me in specific seasons so that it will generationally change their walk. So, oh, well, God did this for mom and dad in this season. Why won't he do it for me in this generation? Right. And so write things down in your Bible. So you have that. It's a treasure. This is, has this been helpful? I mean, I just thank you guys. Thank you both. I, I have the utmost respect for both of you and your walks with the Lord. And uh, so it's a blessing. I want to pray. And then we're going to we're going to do a little couple more worship songs with Grayson and Kevin. And, um, I, you know, we don't always do things perfectly. That's for darn sure. But we just was, come on, Eddie. You look at him. Were you talking about us or were you talking about you? 
All right, there you go. But we get up in the morning. We go, okay, God, what do you got? What do you got? And watch what he will do. Let me, let me pray for us.